0: Jesus
1: is real. There's power in Your name. We find hope in Your ways. We Jesus is real.
0: Some of your pride plays itself out in this kind of self-assertive strength. I know, and I know, and I know, and you better listen to me. And others, it plays out in a, I don't know anything. Some people's pride is arrogant, and others is self-deprecating. The cross of Jesus Christ is God's solution to our pride.
1: Pride comes in a variety of forms, but all of it is sin. You may think you can justify your feelings or your attitude, but it boils down to selfishness. Pastor Daniel will tell you today about an individual from Esther's story who was proud and the chaos he caused. There's another option, however, for everyone. Turn your life over to Jesus. He's paid for your sins, pride included, on the cross. He allows you to start again. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in Esther chapter 3, as he begins his message, Adversity and Provision. Jesus is
0: real. Life is not always easy, is it? How many of you right now would say, in the situations that you find yourself in presently, there is adversity? That's almost everybody. Jesus did say, in the world you will have tribulation. But if you know your Bible and John 16, you realize it doesn't end there. He says, in the world you have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. Now let me ask you, how many of you believe that God has already provided the outcome for your adversity? And that is why... Following Jesus is so powerful because you and I in the issues of our lives, and they are many, whether they're actual issues or potential issues, we know that there is a God who is at work over and above the adversity that we find ourselves in. Life is messy and Jesus is real. That is the hope of the people of God. Jesus never says that if you follow me, everything will be easy. Everything is going to uh, work out exactly the way you planned it. You write out your five-year plan, your 10-year plan, your 20-year plan, and it's going to happen exactly that way. You do not have that promise in the Bible. What you do have the promise of is that no matter what happens, God will be with you. And God's presence will work everything together ultimately for your good. To to transform us into the name and the image of Jesus. That's the promise we have. And what's amazing is, that's exactly what we have today in the place we find ourselves. In the story of the life of Queen Esther. Esther. So this is what I want you to do. I want you to open up your Bibles to Esther chapter 3. Esther chapter 3. We're actually going to take chapters 3 and 4 today. The book of Esther is pretty easy to find. It's pretty easy to find. It's the, the book of Psalms is the single largest book in your Bible. It's 150 songs or chapters or Psalms. You just turn to your left and there's the book of Job, which is really large. And then there's the book of Esther. So it's right to the left of the book of Job Now, if you were here last week when we opened up the book of Esther, the book of Esther tells a long story. And so, because there's not these big blocks of teaching in it, like you would maybe get in one of Paul's letters or the Gospels or even the prophetic books, it's an interesting study for us because we learn lessons about what God is trying to show us by seeing the different people who are involved in Esther's story. And we allow what they are doing to shine a light on who we are and what we're doing. If you were here last week, we were introduced to King Ahasuerus and his former queen Vashti. We found out why Vashti was no longer the queen and that there was a woman or there was a man named Mordecai who was a Jewish man who lived there in the Medo-Persian empire of the time, and he had raised his cousin. I, some people ask me, I kept saying cousin or uncle, because oftentimes in our culture, when you think of a cousin, you think of someone who's your age... Right? I remember growing up, I had all of these cousins who I called aunt and uncle because they were as old as my parents. And so my parents would just say, oh, no, you just call them uncle so and so. And there's about nine Anthonys and a bunch of Sonnies and Cheeches and all these, all the Italian names, you know. They're all uncle. Everyone was aunt and uncle. But a lot of them were first cousins. And so I realized when I think of a cousin, I think of my, the folks in my family who are my age, who are, who are children of my parents' siblings. So, but she, Mordecai was technically her cousin. But it was more like her uncle because he raised her, as Esther, as his own daughter. And so we're introduced to Esther and to Mordecai. And we find ultimately that Esther becomes the queen. God's favor is on this woman, right? And we also find out by the end of chapter 2 that Mordecai is kind of your textbook righteous man. He is a man who knows God. And he is a man who is unashamed to do something. And I think that's a big thing. And we ended with that last week, right? God's people do something. I think for so long, the church of Jesus Christ has taught, listen, just believe in Jesus and go to church, and that's good. But really, the people of God, we don't go to church. We are the church. And we're the church 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And we don't forsake the assembling ourselves together at church. But being the church is not just a Sunday or a Wednesday kind of thing. It's 24-7. We are the people of God. And Mordecai does something. He finds out there's a plot against the life of the king, and he gets himself involved. And he tells Esther, and it comes to pass, that sure enough, this good deed is written down. Now, the story is almost complete, what we'll see for the entire book, except we haven't met the antagonist of the story. We haven't met the the evil person in the story. And so, in a lot of ways, chapters 1 and 2 serves as an introduction, and chapters 3 and 4 sets the stage for the crisis. What is the issue that's going on? And so, without further ado, Esther chapter 3, verse 1 says this. After these things, King Ahasuerus promoted Haman, the son of Hamethida. I definitely didn't pronounce that right, but that's fine. We can have fun with that in the family room. The Agagite. And advanced him and set his seat above all the princes who were with him. And all the king's servants who were within the king's gate bowed and paid homage to Haman. For so the king had commanded concerning him. But Mordecai would not bow or pay homage. Then the king's servants who were within the king's gate said to Mordecai, why do you transgress the king's command? Now it happened when they spoke to him daily and he would not listen to them that they told it to Haman to see whether Mordecai's word would stand for Mordecai had told them that he was a Jew. When Haman saw that Mordecai did not bow or pay homage, Haman was filled with wrath, and he disdained to lay hands on Mordecai alone, for they had told him of the people of Mordecai. Instead, Haman sought to destroy all the Jews who were throughout the whole kingdom of Ahasuerus, the people of Mordecai. So we open up this chapter here, and we're introduced to this man named Haman, who is We find out he's an Agagite. So he was a descendant of King Agag, who was an Amalekite king. You might remember the name if you've read through the Bible, because God told King Saul, the first king over Israel, in 1 Samuel 15, that he had to destroy all of the Amalekites and leave nobody. But King Saul wouldn't do it. He wouldn't be obedient to God's command... And King Saul ended up losing his crown because of this. Now, people all the time say, I can't believe in the Bible God would want to destroy an entire group of people. But you see what the descendant of Haman, of Agag, wants to do, right? He actually wants to kill all the Jewish people. Now, I realize the fact that God sometimes brokers in violence seems strange, maybe off-putting. But God is a just God, and God, being the Alpha and the Omega, knows things that none of us know. He knows things that none of us know. And you wonder if God's command, if Saul carried out, we'd never have the situation we're going to see right now. A person who's going to try and exterminate all of the descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Oftentimes we don't realize what our disobedience will cost future generations. That's kind of a tough way to start a message, isn't it? Like, wow. Wow. Saul's disobedience now places the people, and again, this is hundreds of years later. His descendants places them in a terrible situation, a terrible situation. Now, this man, Haman, what we find out about him is that he has advanced and given a seat above all the princes. You get that in verse 1. So King Ahasuerus, who is a man who likes honor, right? He ends up disposing of Queen Vashti because of her lack of honor. Now he begins to honor this man named Haman. Haman the Agagite, right? And so the king, we're told... The king told everybody, you need to bow down and pay homage to this man, Haman. But sure enough, it says that Mordecai would not. So Esther's cousin, her uncle, the man who raised her, this righteous man would not bow down and pay homage to Haman. And Haman didn't know it, but the people who worked alongside Haman knew it. And they go to talk to him. It says that they talk to him daily about this. Did you notice that? Verse four, when they spoke to him daily he would not listen to them so you can imagine every time Haman came out into the open square let let me give you an example like it's like imagine if uh, pastor Bill Ritchie if every time pastor Bill Ritchie walked into the family room of Crossroads everyone had to take off their shoes and bow down it'd be kind of odd wouldn't it we love pastor Bill but we're not going to do that right But imagine if everybody does it except one person. Right? This one person is the fly in the ointment. The one person's messing everything up. So finally the word gets back to Haman like, hey, that guy Mordecai, he won't bow down and pay homage to you. He won't do it. And they find out that the reason he won't do it is because Mordecai is a Jewish man. And so Some would say that the reason he wouldn't do it is because it would be an act of idolatry, that the way that they were paying homage to Haman was an act of worship, and he wouldn't do it that way. Other scholars would say the reason Mordecai wouldn't bow down is because he was a descendant of King Agag, the Amalekite who tried to destroy the children of Israel, so a mortal enemy. So whatever the reason is, Mordecai won't do it. And we find out a lot now About what's going to happen. Because look at what it says. Verse 5. When Haman saw that Mordecai did not bow. Or pay him homage. Haman was filled. With wrath. But he disdained to lay hands on Mordecai alone. For they had told him. Of the people of Mordecai. Instead Haman sought to destroy. All the Jews who were throughout. The whole kingdom of Ahasuerus the people of Mordecai. What do we learn? What do we learn from Haman? We learn that pride is deadly. Pride is deadly. The crisis of the book of Esther boils down to one man's pride. Now, think about it in context. This man, Haman, is honored by the king, the strongest man in the world, right? Every time this guy, Haman, goes out into public, everybody bows down. This man is universally honored except for by one person. And he is so angry about the one person who won't bow down to him that now he devises An atrocity in his heart. Now, it'd be real easy to be like, oh, man, that Haman. I mean, yeah, just so sad. Except if we look in our own hearts, guess what? We do the same kind of stuff. Right? Everybody treats you great except for one person. And then everybody hates me. And you figure out how you're going to work them over. What you're going to do. Someone makes a decision you don't like. You feel dishonored and then all of a sudden your heart becomes an absolute scheming factory of evil. Now, maybe you're not as bad as Haman. Maybe you're not gonna figure out a way to kill that person and all of their descendants and their bloodline. But when people feel dishonored, when people's pride gets pricked, you to put a helmet on. And aren't we all that way? When one person doesn't honor you the way you think they should, the boxing gloves go on or come off, so to speak. You got to ask yourself, where is your pride doing something that is deadly? We all have it. All of us have it. It's the universal human condition. Think about what Proverbs chapter 16, verses 18 and 19 says. Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Better to be of a humble spirit with the lowly than to divide the spoil with the proud. It's been beautifully said. What's at the center of pride? I. P-R-I-D-E. I I is at the center of pride. See, Haman is so angry because one man will not honor him. And all of this is an outgrowth of a guy who is so self-centered that he's willing to destroy an entire race of people Because his ego is so fragile that he can't handle it. Every single one of us battles with pride. Every single one of us. There's not a non-prideful person. Now, don't get me wrong. Some of your pride plays itself out in this kind of self-assertive strength. I know, and I know, and I know, and you better listen to me. And others, it plays out in a... I don't know anything. Some people's pride is arrogant and others is self deprecating. The cross of Jesus Christ is God's solution to our pride. The cross of Jesus Christ. Because when Jesus died, he took all of our pride upon I mean, think about you what your Bibles say. Pride is the antithesis of the life in the spirit. Life in the spirit, esteem others higher than yourself. Pride says, no, Esteem yourself higher than everybody else. Love is not self-seeking. Pride is always self-seeking. Love is patient. Pride is impatient. Love is kind. Pride is grumpy. And pride is deadly, my friends. How many of us have found ourselves in relational situations? Maybe it's just in our own heart, but this pride is festering because we didn't get what we wanted from somebody. Somebody didn't give us the thing that they were supposed to do. It's deadly, my friends. Not only for us, because the wages of sin is death, but pride will make us assassinate people's character. All sorts of things. I mean, it's just not sometimes. And for each one of us, oh wait, and don't miss the fact in Proverbs chapter six, it says the eight things that God hates. Or seven things. That, what's the first one? A proud look. First one on the list proud look. Haman's mistake is pride. And don't miss the fact that Haman is universally honored. Do you guys ever see the TV commercial about the girl who thinks she's invisible? You guys see that one? It's a hysterical little commercial. Nobody notices her and and so she thinks no one sees her. You know, like everybody sees Haman. When Haman walks into a room, everybody knows it. So it's not like nobody honors Haman. It's just one person. And isn't that part of the weirdness of the human condition, your situation and my situation? Like, you're at work. Everybody thinks you're great except one person. And you're like, yeah, nobody likes me at my job. It's like, you can get a million compliments. You gals know what this is like. Hey, that's a great dress. One person's like, oh, that's not in your color wheel. (gasps) Burn that dress. Isn't that how it is? Like we latch on to the one negative thing. I, listen, I get this all the time. I love that church. One person doesn't like something. Like everybody doesn't like it. The world, it's, you're ruining the place. It's like, no, it's just you. But I go home and I'm like, everybody, I'm just messing everything up. What am I doing? And then I remember, it's like you hear the one negative thing and, and that just eats your lunch for you. Ruins the joy. You know why? Because the one negative thing is a chink in our pride. Because let's be honest, listen, all of us, you put on clothes today and you you wanted someone to say, hey, that's a good look for you, right? Even if your wife dressed you, right? See, nobody wants to hear that it's not all perfect, that it's not just all the way there. And so... It's amazing. Even though the positive things should prop up our ego, it's the one negative thing that really shows where our hearts are. And the beauty of this, my friends, is we're all grappling with this. It's not one of us or just a few of us. It's all of us. But we always have to realize that pride is deadly. And I always think of John Owen who said, you're either killing sin or sin is killing you. So we better get on the battle of trying to do Battle in the spirit with our pride, or else that stuff is going to overwhelm us like a flood. And you're going to live your whole life full of pride. And you're going to be plotting evil to make sure that your pride stands. So, brothers and sisters, be careful. Pride's deadly. And all of this, all of this is because Mordecai is not going to bow down to Haman. He's not going to kiss the ring, so to speak. He's not going to do the dance everybody else's Mordecai won't sets off a series of events now pride is deadly now look at what happens now he expressly says he's so angry he doesn't want to just kill Mordecai he wants to kill all the Jewish people that's where this lands and that shows how irrational pride is it's one thing to go to him and be like no listen my name is Haman and the king said you need to pay me homage and so why don't you He doesn't have a conversation he plots I'm going to kill all of
1: them Jesus is real Pastor Daniel shared in today's message the background of Haman, a trusted advisor to the king. Haman was exceedingly proud of his accomplishments and wanted the world to see and acknowledge them as well. His demands of praise weren't meant everywhere he went, though. Mordecai refused to worship this man as he desired.
0: or email me
1: at real at danielfusco.com. Thanks for joining us today for Jesus is Real Radio. Hey, I wanted to remind you that each day on Facebook, Pastor Daniel shares a simple two-minute message. In this message, Pastor Daniel draws out an important biblical truth that really helps set your day on the right path. So be sure to follow Pastor Daniel Fusco on Facebook and share these two-minute messages with your friends and family. Join us again here on Jesus Is Real Radio when Haman's pride and fragile ego leads him to make a sinister plot. Pastor Daniel will also share how dangerous it is to let this kind of pride rule your life. You'll be encouraged to choose love instead. Pastor Daniel will explain how that makes a lasting difference in your life and in the lives of others. Love will always bring a better result than pride and selfishness. We wish we had more time today, but we will have to pick up where we left off next time as Pastor Daniel continues teaching through this series for such a time. That's next time on Jesus is Real Radio.